This spring, according to multiple media reports, Governor Hochul's administration reached out to federal health officials for guidance on the process of expanding health coverage to undocumented adults living in New York, which could potentially be funded with billions of unspent federal health care dollars. For more on the mechanics of this issue, we're joined remotely on the Capitol Press Room by Elizabeth Benjamin, Vice President of Health Initiatives for the Community Service Society of New York. Welcome back to the show, Elizabeth. Thanks, Dave. It's nice to, nice to be here. It's great to hear you. And also zooming in is Assemblymember Jessica Gonzalez-Rojas, a Queens Democrat. Welcome back to the program, Assemblymember. Thanks, David, for having me. I appreciate it. And we'll talk about the politics of this issue in a second. But first, Elizabeth, can you explain this request for guidance from the state that was sent to the Biden administration and talk us through the implications of it? Sure. What we are seeking is for a 1332 state innovation waiver. And under the Affordable Care Act, states are allowed to design innovative programs and with the funding they would have received for a population to get federal premium assistance. And so if a state goes for a 1332 waiver, they end up setting up what's called a pass-through account. And so they get a federal funding, they put it into the pass-through account, and then they design their own insurance product. That is what the Hochul administration is asking to do. It's going to be pausing our different kind of waiver program, which was 1331, the basic health plan program, which we have a big surplus. That program was so successful using a similar kind of trust fund, federally financed system that we ended up having a $10 billion surplus. We're pausing that and now saying, hey, we're going to set up a 1332 program and we're going to expand what we call in New York the essential plan for up from 200 percent of the federal poverty level up to 250 percent. That move, because our essential plan premiums are so much lower than what is in the marketplace, ends up generating a big surplus into that pass-through account and the state is allowed to spend that on other forms of coverage. Colorado, Washington State have both decided to earmark a portion of their pass-through accounts to cover undocumented immigrants. And that is what we are pushing the Hochul administration to do. And that is what the Hochul administration, as well as the legislature, has asked the federal government if we may, if we can do that. The answer will be yes. The um, Center for Medicaid and Medicare Services has already answered yes to a reporter who has put out put that out in the World Wide Web. Um, and we're waiting for the formal letter on, you know, the Center for Medicaid, Medicare Services letterhead or the Health and Human Services letterhead saying, yes, you may use your pass through funding to expand coverage to immigrants. Well, Assemblymember, how does the actions that are being initiated by the Hochul administration and as well by the legislature and other advocates who have urged uh, the state to go down this path. How does this compare to what you're looking to do with the quote-unquote coverage for all legislation? Is this the same pathway? Is there a deviation from what you're looking to do? Um, How do they compare? Well, essentially the initial version of uh, coverage for all was actually a really short piece of legislation that allowed for people to be eligible um, for the essential plan despite immigration status. 
since the, we built this momentum about fighting for the state innovation waiver, we've actually gone back myself and Senator Gustavo Rivera, who's the sponsor in the Senate, have gone back and actually amended the coverage for all bill. So it has an apron to address the fact that there is an opportunity to get this covered by the federal government via the 1332 waiver. So we've actually completely amended the bill to require that the state submit this waiver in order to cover the cost of communities that are currently excluded. And again, these are immigrants who uh, would otherwise qualify, would meet the all the other qualifications, the income qualifications, et cetera, um, but are ineligible simply due to the immigration status. And we've amended the bill to um, incorporate this opportunity to get it uh, covered without any cost to the state. And in fact, I, I want to underscore that it's going to bring savings to the state because we currently pay about $544 million a year in emergency Medicaid coverage for people who don't have care. So um, most of which are undocumented communities. So there's a lot of momentum. We got it passed on both the health committee in the Senate, the health committee in the assembly. Uh, so now it's in ways and means, and there's a, a big push to get it done in the next, what, what are we at? Seven days, <laughs> a few days left of a uh, session. And with your legislation, Assemblymember, is there a timeline for getting all of this done? Because it seems like if left to her own devices, Governor Hochul could take forever or years or months to to drag this process out. So how does that potential deviate from your legislation versus what we might see out of the Hochul administration if left to their own devices? Yeah, the legislation would require the state to do so. So this would just make sure this happens. And that's why it's really important to get this done. I want to underscore the fact that last year we were in a similar fight during the budget negotiations where we were pushing for coverage for all the original version. And what we ended up with was a compromise where we were able to cover people within a year postpartum of their pregnancy uh, who are undocumented, and then people over 65 who are undocumented. So if you're not pregnant, you're over the age of 19 and not yet 65, you weren't covered in last year's negotiation. And in fact, they haven't yet moved forward in implementing those commitments from last year's budget cycle. The one thing she did say last year, and it's on video and it's very well documented, was that she was going to work with the federal government to establish a way to get this paid for. So here it is, right? We're in this moment. There's been a lot of advocacy. Uh, as Elizabeth mentioned, we've seen other states successfully do this. CMS has publicly said that New York can do this. We're just waiting for the sort of official documentation of that. Um, so, and our bill again has been amended to uh, require the state to do so. So it's just a win-win for all parties. It'll help keep our communities healthier. Um, but will also save the state money and won't cost us money to cover um, such a, a wide swath of community members who have kept the city and state afloat, particularly during the pandemic, but are certainly New Yorkers that need health care. Well, Elizabeth, when it comes to this coverage, what would it consist of? Is there a, a comparable coverage that we should think about? Is it going to be akin to what people get with the essential plan? Is it akin to what people get with Medicaid? Will it be like commercial insurance? How should we think about it? 
Um, well, we should think about it as the essential plan. So immigrants, if they were included, would have the exact same coverage, nothing better, nothing worse than what their um, lawfully present and citizen counterparts would have. So it's a no deductible product with reasonable cost sharing. And um, remember, these folks are all low income working folks. And so they are not wealthy and they cannot really afford to go onto the marketplace and pay six, $700 for a health insurance plan. And so this is a really good kind of win-win as, as the assembly, as Assemblymember Gonzalez Rojas said, I mean, the carriers want this, the business council wants this, the legislature wants this, the hospitals wants this, the unions want it, the patient advocates want it, the immigrant community wants it. There isn't Actually, there's actually no single constituency in New York State that's come out against coverage for all except but for a few people who are politically, you know, extreme and are against, you know, sort of immigrants in, in general. Well, hang on, folks, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang yeah. on. You said that that's sure. not exactly a true reflection of the politics of this because it hasn't been brought up in either houses of the legislature for a, a floor vote. So theoretically, some of the assembly members, Democratic colleagues are, are not supportive of this. So assembly member, do you feel uh, like that's representative I, I, of the case? Are there extreme people in your party who are blocking this? I, I, no, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, again, people may, we'll see what the vote looks like, but it successfully moved through a health committee um, I have uh, over 50 co-sponsors on the bill, maybe more. I haven't counted recently, um, but there's wide support for it in the assembly. We had over 60 legislators sign on to a letter um, to the federal government, sort of supplementing um, the governor's waiver, the governor's letter uh, to Secretary Becerra. Um, so this is this is again something I think is uh, widely supportive. Um, and as Elizabeth mentioned, you know, we might see opposition from the Republican Party or people who are. Just but Repu Republicans don't control what gets to the floor in either houses right. of the legislature. That's controlled by the Democratic majorities. So I don't know why but we're they, talking about the Republicans in the state well, they, Senate and Assembly. I think what I what I would say to you is, is even people who are concerned about the so so-called migrant crisis or whatever, this is a win for those folks, because right now. We are seeing more immigrants come in, both people who are lawfully present and people who are not. And that costs us, right? We Those folks are using uncompensated care, which means there's no payer for them. If we were able to um, amend our waiver and use our, our, our federal surplus, that's just free federal money that ensures that carriers, hospital providers, and all of us have coverage and all of us are healthy in a time where we still have a pandemic out there lingering and we don't know what's gonna happen. So I think to your point, if there were people that may be concerned about providing uh, immigrants coverage, I would say, I would say, submit to them, yes, may, we have seen a failure in leadership in Washington on real immigration reform, but in that failure, why should New York or the state have to, to, to pay for that failure? And this is a way to get the federal government to step up and pay its fair share for providing health care for these folks who are coming to, to New York. And so I, I think, you know, that is what I would say to anybody that has any ambivalence. This is a way to have the federal government pay for the coverage of our immigrant, you know, brothers and sisters.
And after a quick break, we'll have more on the issue of health coverage for undocumented New Yorkers with our guests, Elizabeth Benjamin of the Community Service Society of New York and Assemblymember Jessica Gonzalez-Rojas, a Queens Democrat. Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. For listeners just joining us, we're continuing our conversation about what the state could do to ensure that Hundreds of thousands of undocumented New Yorkers have health insurance, and our guest is Elizabeth Benjamin, Vice President of Health Initiatives for the Community Service Society of New York, as well as Assemblymember Jessica Gonzalez-Rojas, a Queens Democrat who sponsors the so-called Coverage for All legislation. So, Elizabeth, you mentioned the influx of asylum seekers. What would they have to do if this became part of the state system in order to qualify for it? Would they just need to establish residency somehow? People who have been granted asylum status are already eligible. They are considered lawfully present. Okay. But under our coverage for all, as long as someone establishes state residency, you would be eligible under coverage for all. You have to be a resident of the state of New York and you have to meet the income criteria. And Assemblymember, when you think about implementing something like this, would there need to be some sort of distrust or skepticism about interacting with the state government that would have to be overcome to ensure that eligible undocumented New Yorkers were taking advantage of the program? That's a really great point. You know, we do have to address some of the cultural concerns and, you know, often distrust of the government. And that's work we have to do, especially as we come out of the Trump years. I know we've been, you know, around with Biden for a few years, but I think there's a lot of pain that had carried over from some of the fights around public charge. The immigrants are very well aware of what public charge means, and there's very many nuances to that. Um, This would not be a public charge because this is something that we're doing legislatively, but there's a lot of concerns for undocumented folks that they in no way want to become a public charge that would prevent their ability to become a legal permanent resident and U.S. citizen in the future. So I think we'll have to do a lot of education. We'll have to do it in a culturally confident way, in the appropriate way. We're going to have to work with credible messengers in the community. But that's something that, you know, there's lots of infrastructure available for this. Um, As Elizabeth mentioned, there's uh, support amongst nearly every, if not all, immigrant rights organizations across the state. So I imagine there'll be fantastic partners as we roll this out once it's um, implemented. And would there be a cap on the number of undocumented New Yorkers who might potentially be covered by this? Because I have to admit, I was reading through the bill memorandum that accompanies coverage for all, and it is a lengthy one, but there's a reference to implementing it with a cap of 240,000 individuals. Is that just a number that's thrown out to do some sort of calculations, or, or would there be a cap on the number of potential participants? I think what the legislature is trying to do is to address the concern by the division of budget that there might not be enough money in the surplus account to have it 100 percent federally financed. And so the legislature wanted to protect against that. And so 
like we've already agreed to a cap in our Medicaid program for working people with disabilities, the legislature is offering to the Hochul administration and the division of budget, like, look, we know based on what you put in as the draft 1332 waiver document, given that you are estimating XYZ number of billions of dollars to be at the end of five years of a surplus, we should go ahead and spend that money up to a certain sort of fiscal cliff, which is represented by a cap of the number of enrollees. So I have to admit, I only have a bachelor's degree in political science and liberal arts, so I'm not really sure what that means in terms of an actual cap. Would there be then a limit or is that just one like a number that's thrown out there? We would only offer it to the number of immigrants that is fiscally prudent. In other words, if we don't have the money, then the program will be closed down that year, and then it can reopen the following year when there's room. So it's it would become a capped program for a number of enrollees based on the amount of money we have. So then Assembly Member, do you envision this program, if it was to take effect, would result in some people getting shut out? Because I think I've seen that there are estimates of 400,000 or, or more undocumented New Yorkers w- without coverage right now. No, no, no. That's That number is wrong because it concludes people of all income and okay. people that are already have the ability to access employer-sponsored insurance. Um, in fact, of my initial ines- estimates say that perhaps there are like 50 or 75,000 immigrants who are truly eligible for this program at this point. But the Division of Budget has generated this 240,000 number based on emergency Medicaid enrollments, which have been rolled over for three years. So we try to use their worst case scenario number with that 240,000 number cap. We've done a lot of uh, research and data and really looked at this bill and, and amended it in a way that we were both addressing the concerns of the administration while doing what we know is the best for our communities. And I think these numbers come from data-driven space and it informs the legislation and and much of what uh, Elizabeth said is what we are relying on. So we feel pretty confident that we'll capture the majority of immigrants that are eligible. And again, we're gonna have to do some work in making sure that everyone that is eligible is aware that they're eligible and that it is safe to apply, that it is not a public charge, that it won't hurt their immigration status. So you might actually see lower numbers than anticipated, Mm. but we're going to do the work to make sure that as many people are enrolled as eligible. And moving forward, is there a potential for exhausting the federal funds and potentially needing to turn to state dollars? Or is there an assumption that the way the essential plan is funded and the federal dollars that are coming from Washington, that we'll always be able to move money around in this way, that things can be covered for the undocumented New Yorkers without state money? When we first went for the basic health plan, everybody, when I first present our cost estimates and said we'd have a billion dollar surplus in the first year, people pretty much laughed at me. And yet that was true. So the thing is, is when we offer public coverage like the essential plan, we get to set the rates. So we can always have enough money because we can offer the Medicaid managed care premium level or we can offer an essential plan premium level. But we always have the ability to, you know, turn the dial up and down in terms of the reimbursement rates, number one. And then the second thing that I think is really important is that we are also going to have a 
bucket load of state savings because these folks will now have comprehensive coverage, which is more cost effective than spending whatever it is, $500 million a year on the 19 to 65 year old population who would be eligible for this on this, you know, sort of intermittent emergency Medicaid program that isn't good quality coverage and is very much driving people into the hospitals to get care. So there's a way to control costs. You can cap the program. You can lower the premium. You can offer a Medicaid managed care premium instead of an essential plan premium. You can change the medical loss ratios. You can curb profits. I mean, there's just, let me count the ways. It's health policy. You can make it work. Well, finally, is there anything else we could be using this unspent money for, or are we limited and this is really the only way we could potentially use this money? You know, I think the Hochul administration has been incredibly effective trying to spend down that money. They've raised the premiums for the essential plan quite dramatically and are projecting to do so. They have put in some long-term supports into the benefit package that wasn't there before. They, you know, kind of have a bucket load of amorphous social determinants of health funding that we don't really know what that is. And yet they still even in their final document, still have several billion dollars or over several billion dollars of surplus at the end of five years. But where there's a will, there's certainly a way we would have enough funding to cover immigrants easily. And the one thing I'll add is that we can only use that money for healthcare programs. So we couldn't go and take that money and build housing or anything, any of the other priorities that I'm fighting for. It is, it is must be designated um, for healthcare costs related to um, the essential plan. So I, I just really want to underscore that point. Um, and this is certainly an excellent use of that money to make sure that we're keeping those who are excluded from health coverage, bringing them into the system in a way that's healthier and more cost effective for the country. Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. We've been speaking with Assemblymember Jessica Gonzalez Rojas. She's a Queens Democrat. Thank you so much for making the time, Assemblymember. Thank you, David. And we've also heard from Elizabeth Benjamin, Vice President of Health Initiatives for the Community Service Society of New York. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thanks, all. Have a good day. Support for Capital Press Room provided by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation. Communities across the Empire State have stories to tell. A roadside marker funded by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation can help your town or city educate the public, encourage pride of place, and promote local tourism. More about the Pomeroy Foundation's New York State Historic Marker Grant Program for 501c3 organizations, nonprofit academic institutions, and local state and federal government entities at wgpfoundation.org.